so much of the immediate and sales is about uh, what you make. And so much about the long term is what you make possible. I'm Eric Fulweiler, and this is Scratch, bringing you marketing lessons from the leading brands and brains rewriting the rulebook from scratch for the world of today. Hey, everyone. My guest today is Anna Griffin, CMO of Intercom. Anna's been at Intercom for seven months now. She leads the product marketing, corporate marketing, demand generation, and growth teams to amplify Intercom's voice in the market, establish the company as a leader in customer communication, and accelerate demand and revenue growth. Anna has a ton of experience in B2B, CMO, SVP, and VP of marketing roles. She was at Nortel. She was at Juniper Networks. She's also worked with a ton of brands over the course of her career, also on the consumer side, including Apple, Nortel, Sony, Lanza, and Bank of America, Toys R Us, Saturn, and Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. Really fascinating conversation with Anna. We kind of got off track from the very beginning in a very good way, meaning we did not stick with the standard questions, but she just brought up a lot of interesting points that really resonated with me and with us and how we think about things here at Rival. So a couple of the highlights for me that I know you're going to enjoy. She's very passionate about B2B marketing being brand-led and not just a support function of sales. So she digs into not just why that's so important, but also how she makes it happen at these big organizations. She also touches on, which I know is something that a lot of you listening are very interested in, how marketers should be thinking about protecting their marketing budget, looking into a potential economic recession. And, you know, marketing is often one of the places where budgets get cut first. So she has some advice for people on that. We talk about um, how important finding a point of differentiation is in the market. We talk about uh, values and the role of the CMO in bringing to life those values within an organization. And she has a lot of great thoughts on the future role of CMOs. And we talk about how that's changing in the industry. And she views it as kind of two paths that the future CMOs are going to take. So really enjoyed this one. I know you will too. And without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Anna Griffin, CMO of Intercom. Hey, Anna, how are you? Fantastic. Hey, Eric, thanks for having me today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm very excited about this conversation. We just spent almost 20 minutes. Well, part of it was trying to try to find headphones and working with tech tech issues, but part of it was also talking about, you know, your background like we hadn't met before this call, but I've obviously checked out a bit about what you do, your background and what you're up to and um, I'm really excited to get into it. I wish we could have recorded some of what we already talked about, but we'll try to replicate it now. Sounds great. Cool. So, let's start out with what are you most curious about right now? Oh, Eric, my head is on fire with so many things right now. Um, to, to say one, two, three, I, I, I could probably give you a list of, of 20, but I, I would say, you know, number one on the list is the proverbial, how do you do more with less? Um, when I think of like economic downturns, like the moments we're in right now, you know, the pressure on every marketer, on every company, but, you know, it's always marketing always has the Ah, you've got some liquid dollars. So uh, how about we maybe pause some of that? You, you know, it's uh, you're dealing with you know liquid dollars versus you know a headcount. And so in moments like this, uh, particularly knowing that I make a product also for marketers, I know that the, the customers that I serve are also deeply in the mode of how do we do more with less? How do we take moments like this? You know, the next six months could be quite uncertain in time. And 
And, you know, I think it's like, this is the moment where you burn sacred cows. This, this is the moment where you say, uh, 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 the old way is not going to get us to, to what we have to do. We've got to have to try something new to, to truly be able to do more with less. So, um, say goodbye to sacred cows. And, uh, how do you do that? How do you know what's new, uh, to push, to, to push on, to get, to get new outcomes? So I'm super curious there because I know my customers need that, um, uh, and uh, even myself as a marketer, like, what are we going to push on to, to get something new? I have a lot of other curiosities and the economy and globalization and politics and gun control and all kinds of things that I know you don't want to get into today. And I certainly don't have answers for these things, but uh, these are the things that keep me up at night. Oh, man. Personally, I'd love to get into a lot of that with you, but we probably <laughs> don't have time. And I, I owe it to our audience to try to keep us on on track here. However... I will say I am going to go off track slightly, but it's still within the realm of what we're going to talk about. So I think it's really interesting. One of the things I've been thinking about a lot recently is, you know, marketing in most organizations is treated as a cost center. And I think, I mean, personally, I think there's an opportunity to potentially turn it into a revenue center. It's one of the things that I've seen and that I'm really passionate about with modern B2B marketing is building a media company around what you stand for, because a media company cares most about the attention of its audience and adding value as opposed to extracting value. And when you have a lot of attention, you can actually monetize that through sponsorship. But let's put that off to a side for a second. I think even if it doesn't get there, marketing really should be treated more like an innovation center. Marketing is the voice of the customer within the organization. Like the first one of the first things you said was you talked about your customer, and you didn't say this explicitly, but this was my takeaway, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You bring that into the organization. You know, this is what marketers need right now in terms of the products that you bring into them. But I guess, um, I mean, one, if you want to build on any of that, great. But to go off script for a second, um, one of the questions I've been hearing a lot from people, because we do a series of virtual workshops as well, and I ask people what are the topics that they would want us to do a workshop on. And it's with an external guest that we bring in. It's like an hour-long thing, kind of like this, but with someone else co-leading it with us. And the one that I've heard most consistently is how should marketers be thinking about budgets and fighting for budgets going into uh, potentially an economic downturn or just uncertain times when a lot of CEOs, CFOs might be coming to marketing to cut those budgets. So I'm just curious if you have any thoughts or advice on how you're clearly thinking about it, about how marketers listening should be thinking about budgeting going into whatever it is we're facing into right now. Yeah, you know, I think we all learned a lesson, or not a lesson with COVID, but it was it's fresh, and so you can pull back. If you think it was what two two and a half years ago, every company was in this exact feeling of the same moment we're in right now. Like, uh oh, something's something's happening, and we don't know when it's going to get better. So let's let's pull back. But the companies that lean in during times like this, lean in with marketing, lean in with. Uh, 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 new uh, uh, new ways to add value to customers because again it's a customer's market. Like if if companies are feeling it, then the people that they serve are feeling it. And so you know, um, I, I think the most important thing with marketing is to be able to associate how you're going to provide that value and need in this moment to that customer. Then you can talk about the spend or tactics required to to meet that need. But if you can lead with, <laughs> we got to help them. Um, uh, uh, 
instead of we need more marketing dollars to, pr- to promote us. It's like, no, no, we've got to help them. We can help them and we can add more value than, um, and help them navigate you know, a, a tricky time. Th- then we can figure out the role of, of sales and marketing to do that, and even the role of product to, to do that. There are adjustments and easements and things that can be done across the board, product, sales, and marketing to, to, to lean into customers. So you know, um, the, the budget conversations are always difficult. I don't think I've ever worked anywhere, even when I've had hundreds of millions of dollars to spend, where budget conversations aren't difficult. And to your earlier point about trying to prove ROI and uh, you know getting that quick association with revenue, it's just um, um, we're thinking about it the the wrong way. And I, you're, you're thinking about it correctly, but there but there's no quick fix. You know, you, you can't just go uh, you know one dollar in equals two dollars out. I, I wish it was that easy, and everyone is constantly trying to do that. But there there are there's going to be long term support, growth, success that marketing does that you cannot and will not be able to measure in the short term. And the answer is you always have to do both because if you give one up, you're giving the other up as well. And so, um, you know, in times like this, um, uh, A, aim for the customer. Uh, B, um, do not do not take the foot off the brake on some of the long-term t- plays. It's, it'll, it'll set you back another two years. Yeah. I think always, but particularly when a lot of companies are playing defense, whoever can be more long-term oriented is going to have the advantage. And you might not always be able to be long-term oriented. Like You might need to cut budget, and maybe that does need to come from marketing, and you might need to prioritize short-term. But whenever you can focus on long-term, it's going to put you in a better position. So I'm jumping around all over the place. Um, just because what what you're talking about is is leading me in a couple directions of things I know I wanted to talk to you about. Um, so pulling from your bio, I think this is on LinkedIn, but you talk about how your specialty is in B two B to C business models where proper brand recognition drives sales performance and growth. And so, as we were talking about a bit before we pressed record, to me that kind of speaks to the balancing of the short term and long term objectives. And within an organization, obviously it's never this simple, but sales fundamentally is much more focused on short-term revenue. And marketing, I think, you know, how you were talking about is of course right. The way I think about it is marketing is long-term cash flow if you're doing it right. There's a lot of B2B organizations in particular where marketing ends up being a support function of sales. And you know, some organizations are that short-term oriented. But I think if you're doing marketing right, the, the reason you have marketing within an organization is not to deliver short-term cash, it's to build a long-term cash flow through brand. Um, so I guess that was more of a soapbox statement than it was a question, but I'd love to hear yeah, your thoughts, great. reactions, yeah, builds on I, that. I, I love that, Eric, because um, so much of the immediate and sales is about uh, what you make. And so much about the long term is what you make possible, and you know that balance of marketing what you make versus what you make possible. You know what you sell uh, uh, to, to you know often becomes the here we you know we, we make this product it does this versus the the what we make possible the you know the solving you know business problems creating new business outcomes. It's a lot easier to to. Um, sustain and and have a long-term growth and you know expansion you know within a within a customer within a customer base when you can move to the what we make possible you're always going to be transactional when you're doing the what we make so how do you taking it down a level 
because I know, you know, I have this conversation with a lot of people. I'm, I'm sure you do as well. Taking it down to the level of if marketers listening believe in this, they believe that marketing is long term. It's about what you make possible, not what you make. You know, CFOs, CROs, sometimes CEOs don't always either see it that way or they need to prioritize things differently. How do you have those conversations, kind of fight those battles internally to be able to kind of protect and invest in properly the role of marketing to do those jobs? Yeah, I, I think you, um, and this this is a, a tip for for any any marketer, um, you have to know how your company makes money. I mean, you really have to know how your company makes money. And if you can anchor the, the, the conversation around how we make money, that's how we're going to make more of it. Uh, you're 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 having a, a different conversation than you know. I, I I need program dollars to do blank. So when I think of brand and that kind of long long tail play, you have to look at your your business model and go. There is a cost to acquire a customer, but that's the beginning. And, and most people stop there. They, you know they they acquire the customer, but how do you grow that customer? How do you you know uh, uh, you know uh, take them on a customer journey of cross sell and upsell and you know, you know platform play, which you know a lot of us in tech are or selling the value of the platform, not just the value of the product or, or, or the feature. And so to do that, you, you have to be having conversations about what you make possible. Because you know, if you buy a product to solve a problem and that problem gets solved, well, then you're done. You're, you're, you're done with the product. You have to constantly kind of be pushing and associating into uh, you know, deeper value, uh, newer problems, problems that can be solved cross-functionally. Uh, I even think of the, the, the product that we make is so fascinating in, in that it's, you can enter in uh, and, and use the product in, in one part of a company, but the, the, the real value is when you're using it in sales and marketing and support, and you have all of these entities working together as one. But if I just sold you a product to acquire a customer, or if I just sold you a product to support a customer, or if I just sold you a product um, to uh, uh, you know, engage a customer, you, you know you're 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 getting goodness, but you're not getting you know r- you know real step change in an organization. So you know you you can you can slice a conversation on what you have to do to be able to get further expansion. You know to go up market. Uh, uh, you know the 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 awareness and education. You know uh, uh, w- within you know, your, your audience set. Uh, and it just becomes a slightly different conversation than, you know, we need to grow 20 points of awareness. Yep. So I want to go back to your bio because there's lots of good stuff in there. Um, and pulling from, you know, the very first line of how you, um, how you market yourself, I guess, to the world on your LinkedIn is I've always been drawn to innovation engines, visionary companies that see things in a different way, challenging the status quo. I've spent my career working to develop positionings and brand strategies for these emerging challenger brands and for established corporate evolutions. So as I was saying earlier, there's a lot of similarities there in the language and certainly the philosophy of how we think about things and what we're interested in doing here at Rival. But I guess, um, so I'm happy to talk about anything within that that you want to unpack, but to tee it up for you with a specific question, I'm curious to get your thoughts on how do you see the role of the CMO specifically in challenging the status quo? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's going to sound uh, cliched and uh, there's probably been 70 books written on this since the beginning of time. I'd probably probably say all the way back to Ogilvy on advertising, you know, back, back in the 80s. Um, but you know, that clarity in the mission and purpose 
um, that that's where you know disruption begins because you you have to see the world in a in a different light than perhaps your category. You have to know that you do something. The the product, the company, the service does something that has to be done. And the world is not going to get to where it's its fullest potential unless you come in and do that thing. And um, I think the hardest part is for companies to find that thing because it's got to be meaningful. Like it, it has to be meaningful. Like you need to know that if you don't come in and innovate, then the world is not going to get what it needs. And we're never going to, I'm going to make this up, but uh, well, you know, one company that I worked at back in the day was a, a net networking um, hardware routing, switching, but uh, Juniper Networks. But every engineer in that company believed that they did not walk into that building at 7 a.m. and innovate the, the heck out of what they did, that the world was not, we weren't going to get a truly connected global society. We weren't, we weren't going to, and, and you couldn't get there with Cisco and you couldn't get, they thought about it differently. They, that was going to be a closed proprietary play and they wanted to open the networks up so everyone in the world could have access to, to, to truly be able to change the world. And they believe that with every fiber in their being, those companies can disrupt because they, they their purpose and their, and their mission is clear and it culturally it, it becomes clear. And, um, uh, that that's the that's the the beginning, and then what marketing does, and as CMO, you take that foundation, and and you you figure a you figure out can you can you filter it into the culture so that everyone truly does believe and is energized that way. A lot of uh, being a CMO is uh, internal marketing as much as it is external marketing. Uh, can you get your culture you know uh, around it you know and driving, and, and then number two, can you give it. Can, can you put it on a on a on a global stage? If what you do is really that worthy and needed in the world, that, that then put it on a bigger stage and, and and tell tell the world about it. Tell them why they have to have this. Tell them what's going to happen if they don't. Show them what's possible when when they do. And th- those are really the two the, the two tricks to marketing. You know, you you take the foundation uh, of the the essence and and the, and the founding of the company and the founders, but but then you you're you're like internally you know, dr- driving and pushing towards that clarity. And then externally, you're finding the largest stages that you can stand on to, 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 to help others, you know, basically see your company uh, in, in the same light of, and, and clarity of its mission. I think it's such a good point. And I totally agree on the importance of internal marketing internal comms for the role of the CMO. And actually, as you were talking, I mean, I loved what you were saying about, you know, the foundation being that my words, not yours, but kind of point of difference. And I smiled a little bit because actually that's a lot of the work that we do now with rival is helping companies find that because oftentimes, you know, maybe less so with more experienced CMOs, but oftentimes businesses kind of in the branding exercise, skip right to the, okay, what's it going to be called? What's it going to look like? Kind of the look and feel stage. How's it going to come to life? But actually that's the tip of the iceberg. That's the house that you build on top of the foundation and whether you, you know, you can choose to invest in a really strong foundation, a point of difference. I think that's the keystone or that's the pillar, the main pillar of the foundation, or you can kind of gloss over it. But one way or another, it's there. And I think you want to make it um, as strong as possible. But I was actually thinking as you were talking about that, you know, last role that I had, obviously a company not not nearly the size of the ones that you've worked at, but you know, 150 person company. And I was like, huh, I probably could have done a better job on the internal side because there was such an energy. And such a clear kind of vision of what that company 
uh, was and wanted to be. And we went through, you know, the values and the internal, you know, that whole thing with the chief chief people officer and all that. But I'm like, huh, you know, it it probably should have been a bigger, um, a bigger part of my plate than what I made it. So, yeah, uh, thank you for making me think you about know, that because I think it was a good well, learning. You know, Eric, you could, this is I think so many people make. It's not a mistake. It's just they stop right there. Oh, great! Now we, we've got our values, and it's uh, it's on our website, and it's on a poster, it's a sticker on your laptop. Like, no, 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 no. That's when the actual work begins in how you are going to fight to make that real in the world. And everybody in the company has a role in it. And I, and I and it's not just oh how we're going to hold each other accountable. It's like no, no, no. If we're going to be that in the world, like like show up, do what, believe in blank. Like you have to like. Put your, your your money where your mouth is. And um, I think you, you nailed it. It becomes a checklist exercise. Like, okay, we have our foundation. And so now we have good messaging. And yeah, that, that's certainly a, a piece of it. But living it and pushing that to be real in the world, that's a different thing. And that, that you know, you asked me, uh, I don't know if it was this question or two or three questions ago. <laughs> you asked me, like, what does the future role of a, of a CMO look like? And, there, and there's that a one's coming up. It's coming up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of routes. And, and, and that could be one right right there. Yeah. There's always going to be different types of CMOs because, you know, every business is different. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm finding the two worlds of CMOs are, are either becoming, you know, you are a the, the, the mission driven CMO and you're going to help a company make that mission pure, big, real in the world, which means doing things to get talked about. And it's it's not just getting it written and you know posting it up. It's like you no know, making it real in the world. There's also another CMO that's kind of rising role, and that is much more connected to being the the customer's champion. They're they're Sherpa. They're like like everyone is, you know, from the beginning of time, you know, talked about the role of customer centricity. But like it's 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 a big real thing right now because the the customers have more access to you and there's more data and you have more access to data to to serve them well and um uh, those are kind of the two roles where i see you know cmos you're either becoming this masterful you know customer experience uh, type leader uh, and or you are a, a a masterful we are going to point the company and the product and and the people as our uh you know our one of our greatest you know, points of difference into being and doing in the world. So you know, the, the brand has a bigger role in, in, in the category or, or becoming a disruptor. So let's stay on that because that was a topic that I really wanted to get your thoughts on. Uh, obviously you've talked about it a bit now, but I think there's more that we can uncover there. So I brought it up because I saw that you had posted an ad week article from, it's probably a couple of weeks ago now, but talking about or covering how the Unilever CMO Connie Brahms is stepping into a new role as chief digital and commercial officer, I believe, and there's no longer going to be a CMO at Unilever. So, with what you talked about, how you know there's you see the future of the CMO role being one or could it be one or both, or maybe one or the other of these paths? How does the Unilever news and them actually, you know, one of the biggest CPG companies in the world, so brand and marketing led with how they operate and how they grow, not having a CMO anymore? What does that mean to you, and what does it mean to kind of that two-path vision that you laid out? Yeah, well, no, look, they they very much do have a CMO. They just know the future of marketing, <laughs> and uh, and that is, 
you know, that those lines have blurred between like sales, marketing, support, whose job is it to, to, to land a customer? Whose job is it to, to, to engage and, you know, and, and create, you know, you know, ongoing, you know, relationship with the customer? Whose job is it to support and, and nurture a customer? And, and the answer is it's become everybody's. Sales, marketing, support, they, they're all doing the same job. And so what I thought was brilliant about what Unilever did is it, is it realized that and it said, therefore, the role of the CMO is, is to, 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 to focus on uh, how we're going to do just that for the customer. And when you have divided silos, that becomes very, very difficult because, you know, sales, this is our job and, and we do this and this is marketing and, and we do these things. And, you know, they have basically reorged in a way where they can serve that customer experience and realize it's one customer from the second you, you acquire them to how you engage them and grow them to, to renew them to like, it's one customer. And yet, you know, the, so the whole company has to come along and treat them as one and not, well, I want the customer to do this in my funnel. And I want the customer to do this in my part of the funnel. And I want the customer, the customer's smart, man. They don't have to put up with that anymore. They expect more. They expect you to see them as one, one Anna, and uh, and I, I need to be treated the same from from sales to to how I'm supported to a you know th- I, I you know I crack up when you think of um, think of the last time you were on a um, a support conversation and you're like you know let's say your bank and your bank you're like they're asking you all these questions like dude you know me I've been banking with you for twenty years you you have that data do not make me go through this this prompt and this queue and uh, to like you you should know me i've been your customer for 20 freaking years so um uh, that customer expectation we now know it's possible to to live in a frictionless world and and we expect it now we we're, we're not going to put up with friction so um and that's why I, I thought it was brilliant what unilever did they, trust me they they very much have a cmo she's just elevated the role and the company's elevated the role that um, um, uh, th- that, that it's going to play. It's funny, I, you know, coming from fintech, we talk about that example all the time of how basically you're a completely different person to different areas of the bank, which is mind blowing on the outside. On the inside, it's still mind blowing, but you see how it got there because basically, you know, these different products are just built, you know, to, to what you were saying about teams and business units being siloed, like it really is that way. And that's how it ends up getting delivered to the customer at the end of the day. And the thing with banking or the other example, just because I did it today, is like when I open up my British Airways app to check in for my flight to Amsterdam tomorrow, it makes me enter my booking reference to tell me what flights I have with, like how, how is that a thing? How? Um, but it's it's also, you know, you've worked at big companies as well as startups, like it's hard to make those changes, especially in a regulated industry like banking, airlines, telco, et cetera. Like, you know, I think um, it's interesting. We um, we do these for Rival now as well. We do these dinners, but we did these at my last company, the, the fintech business as well. You know, bringing together 10, 12 people. And we try to bring together kind of people from, back then it was from the fintech world as well as from big bank world. And it was really interesting to bring those two worlds together because actually oftentimes they don't talk to each other. You know, you kind of have the big banks. If we stick with the financial services example, you have the big banks kind of talking about, oh, well, fintechs are never really going to disrupt us. Us, and you have the fintechs talking about, well, big banks, you know, they're not customer centric. They have all these terrible user experiences and all this stuff. But it's like I don't think it's that one side doesn't know. I think it's just it's really hard to 
turn an oil tanker or whatever it is, or make those types of changes. So I'd be curious to get your thoughts um, working with some very, very big businesses, being CMO of big businesses, but also work, you know, you look at your CV and you've worked with brands like Apple and Sony and Royal Caribbean and Bank of America. How do you twin, how do you turn an oil tanker? How do you, even if you can get people aligned philosophically of we need to be customer centric, we need to be more integrated, we need to X, Y, and Z, how do you actually start moving things in the right direction? Yeah, well, um, there's so much more than just process and change management. And, and that's the, the gorgeous thing about technology. And so, you know, I, I think it's in the, we'll keep playing out the instance that, that we've been talking about in banking. Um, you have to have a single customer record. And that single customer record has to has to, to, to pass and follow you at every touch that, that you have. And, 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 you know, now add in AI, machine learning, like it gets really beautiful because you're, you're now, you know, and this is all possible with technology. In fact, I actually work for a company, Intercom, that, that does exactly this. And this is why I, I'm so intrigued by this. Um, it's, it's why I choose to work at this company. This is the future. Uh, that single customer record at every, you know, I'm interacting with you on, on your website through, uh, you know, a, a messenger. I'm learning something. Now, when I go into your free trial, I know exactly how to, to serve up certain features of the trial because I know you're a CMO. I know that you're probably going to a certain size company. So you probably want to know these five things versus putting you into a trial where I could tell you 500 things and, and not knowing who you are. Then, then I then I convert you in that same customer record. Now you're with sales. They know what you were using. They, you know, they, they know how to come in and serve you. They pass you right off that same customer record. It's growing. It's growing. We know more. We can be more specific, more precise, more personal, more contextual. Uh, uh, you're now with a customer success manager. You're never repeating yourself because we, because because that record flows with you. And what's so interesting about that record is it's not creepy data. It's first party data. You're interacting, you're engaging with a product, a human, a service, and that record. And, and so it's, it's, it's your data. You're telling it, your, your preferences, what you need to know, how you want to be communicated with. And, uh, and, and, and ultimately, all those teams are now working as one to service you, Eric, or to service me, Anna, instead of working against each other for quota and budget. The, the, the very thing that we started this phone call with is like, ah, marketing they're fighting for budget and you know, in their silo and 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 they've lost perspective of of it's really just about the customer and how are we all working in unison to to, to get there so it's it's possible with technology i love what's what's being done in the space today i love being able to be in the moment like to market to be with a, a with a customer in the moment in the product when they're currently thinking about you where they need you most uh and and starting that level of engagement we have all of these, you know, marketing systems that are are lovely. They have beautiful marketing automation platforms and beautiful CRMs, but um, they're not in the moment. And um, you know, we we have a little phrase. Right? I use this when I explain to my children what what Intercom does. And it's like, like when when, <laughs> when you're at McDonald's, when do you want to talk about French fries? You, you, right there at the register, you you're going to add French fries or, or not? Not. Two days later, when you get home and an email comes back, hi, would you like some French fries? Like you, you, you just you, you got to be like in the moment, and you got to you got to be where the customer is when they need you. And uh, there's so much data that can be retrieved from that. So that's to me, that's the future. It's it's possible. It's there now. Your second question was, how do you get people to to to, to get around that? And um, 
uh, like, like anything, you, it's, you know, start small, think big, start small, you know, uh, prove out, uh, you know, a, a connected experience and, uh, and see the impact that has to that, to that one customer and, uh, and, and you'll never go back. Well, I think that is a fantastic place to start wrapping things up. As I expected, we did not get through even half of the questions, but I think that's the sign of a good conversation. Um, so, and I've got two more questions, quick questions for you. Uh, the second to last is, what is one thing out of everything you've said, and I think people could certainly go back and take notes and probably come up with a dozen things that they should be doing differently, but if you had to choose one to leave people with, what is one thing the marketers listening to this episode should do differently? You have to ask yourself the question, are you there? Can you, uh, are you there with a customer at the most critical moments of, of, of transaction? Um, and if you don't have a solution for that, uh, you should be thinking about one. Because again, you have a beautiful MarTech stack. I'm sure your marketing automation and your ABM is all doing amazing things, but it could do so much more if you could be in context, in the moment, you know, w- with a customer w- when they need you most. Um, because that, that's what they expect. And, and if you're not, then you're, you're behind the game. And last question. Who should we have on the show? Who's a guest that you would recommend? Uh, you know, I think would be super interesting. Um, uh, a, a dear, good old friend of mine. I think you should have Keith Grossman. Keith is the um, president of Time, and you know, um, Benioff bought, bought Time and uh, put it on a reinvention journey about uh, two years ago. And uh, Keith has brought in NFTs. He's brought in. Uh, Crypto. He's brought in like you know really amazing modern technology to to disrupt uh, a, a, an existing category, and uh, that's what you love to talk about. And I don't know anyone better and more intriguing that than Keith Grossman. Amazing. All right. Well, we'll have to get him on the show. I think that's a great recommendation. Anna, thank you so much for making the time. I really enjoyed this. I know people listening will as well. If people want to get in touch with you, connect with you, or find out more about the work you're doing at Intercom, where should we send them? Uh, You send them to uh, intercom.io and uh, we will be there with a messenger to greet (laughs) you real time and make sure that we can engage with you and uh, uh, deliver on everything that you need and want to know. Uh, Or you can always reach me on LinkedIn. Sounds good. All right, Anna. Thanks so much. You have a great day. Okay. All the best, Eric. Take care. Scratch is a production of Rival. We are a growth consultancy that builds challenger brands, strategies, and capabilities to disrupt categories. If you want to learn more about us, check out wearerival.com. If you want to connect with me, email me at eric at wearerival.com or find me on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, share with anyone you think might enjoy it, and leave us a review. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Thank you.